that's not, yeah, I'm, yeah, okay, I'm a big fish in a puddle. So what? All right, they're not doing anything, all right? Uh, so yeah, I'm doing more than them. But um, I realized that actually I need to get my ass out to Hollywood and meet other people who are, you know, like in my category or, or working a little higher. And, and I should be the weakest link in my chain, <laughs> that I have and that'll make me be stronger it'll make me run faster I mean like an analogy I've always used is alright if you run uh, the 100 yard dash with, a, with people that can't run as fast as you yeah you'll win hands down you know that but if you run with people much faster than you alright yeah you might come in last every single time but your time will be better hello everyone and welcome to the 7th episode of this blonde can talk about anything this week's episode is called this blonde can talk about Quentin Tarantino, which is why I opened the show with about 60 seconds of Quentin Tarantino talking. Allow me to explain why I chose those particular words. Um, I'm not a small fish in a puddle, but I was at one time um, a big fish in a, in a pond or something like that. I don't know. I came from a really small town where a lot of people couldn't think past their foreheads, much less their nose, and it made um, my creativity became very stagnant because of that. And the reality of it is I did need to get my ass to Hollywood so that I could meet more people that would like me so that I could further understand myself. I just never expected that one of the people that would help me to understand myself would be arguably the... Um, greatest director of his generation, that of course being Quentin Tarantino, who you just heard uh, talking about um, running laps, etc. I, like Tom Brady, I know I love to name drop Tom Brady, but like Tom Brady, I'm a very slow runner. So yeah, people are going to lap me every single time. But if they lap me so many times that they run out of energy, eventually I'm still going to be able to keep going and I'm going to get to the finish line. And like Tarantino said, my timing will be better. So last week on the show, I talked about how I had uh, had an experience with Quentin Tarantino. So I'm going to talk to you guys about that because I think it's important that people know, um, <coughs> excuse me, what a phenomenal human being Quentin Tarantino is and what it's like to meet him. So you probably have a couple of questions. How did you meet Quentin Tarantino? I'll get to that. What did Quentin Tarantino want with you? I'll get to that. And how can I meet Quentin Tarantino? So let me let me answer the third one first. You can't. I mean, maybe you can, but the chances of you meeting Quentin <laughs> meeting Quentin Tarantino the way I did are one in seven point seven billion. Because I am one in seven point seven billion, and most of the people listening are probably one in a million, and that's okay. It's totally okay. Not everybody wants to be um, the next Marilyn Monroe or the next person to make a film with Quentin Tarantino, but I happen to want to be both of those things, so I got very lucky. Uh, I traveled to L.A., not with any intention of, you know, hooking up with Quentin Tarantino in any way, and no, I did not mean that sexually, um, and <coughs> it was actually the same, it was it's part of the, the nightmare um, trip that I told you about uh, last week. It actually happened the day after I parted ways with uh, the friend from Indiana. 
So I had hurt my knee at the Santa Monica Pier the day before, and I was not feeling very well. So my friend had let me stay home in her apartment. She had gone to work, and I wasn't planning on going anywhere. I was just, I was in pain. I was tired, but it's LA. And when I'm in LA, the last place I want to be is inside because it's, it's beautiful and there's just magic in the air and it's like a magic that I can't explain to you because you have to feel it. You have to breathe it. You have to live it for yourself. And just, just walking there and the way that your you know, that your the hair, your hair is blown and everything. It's all so special. And I think it's more special to somebody who like me is a creative because you hello from my cat again. <laughs> Because you go your whole life trying to find a place where you fit in and suddenly you find yourself in this very beautiful place where it's always sunny and the trees are, you know, they're green all year and you realize that this place is beautiful and that's why you're drawn to it because in a, in a strange way you are beautiful too. So I went for a walk that morning and I had, I didn't really do my hair. It was, it was just straightened from the, the night before and um, I put very little makeup on. Which is very weird for me because I usually wear like fake eyelashes, uh, fake nails, fake hair, the whole thing, especially in L.A. Because uh, in L.A. everybody's pretty. Everybody is beautiful. Everywhere you go, there's pretty people. So it's very easy to feel ugly. And that day I was thinking to myself, is this, is this really for me? Like, uh, is this going to work for me? Am I going to be able to make it as an actress? Do, do I have what it takes and I thought to myself, maybe I don't. And I wanted to call my agent and tell him that I was done and I was pretty much just, I wasn't going to bother to try anymore. And that would have been a mistake. So I went out for a walk to, uh, to Chick-fil-A, so <laughs> of all places. So I'm walking up this street called La Brea. It's a very uh, famous street. La Brea and uh, Hollywood Boulevard intersect. It's a very famous intersection. So I'm walking up the street towards um, sunset, towards the sunset strip. And all of a sudden, this yellow, I don't know what car it was, because I'm not good with cars, but this yellow, expensive car pulls up and says to me, hi, are you an actress? And I said, yes, but I'm not a famous one. And I kept walking because I thought that this person was an absolute creep who just wanted to hit on me. Why? Because I get hit on by creepy people all the time. It's like I have a, 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 a detector and that says like, hi, if you're a creepy, please hit on me. I mean, I'm not interested in you, but just hit on me anyway, because you know, I'm so nice. I'll talk to you and make you feel good about yourself. I'm not interested, but I'll talk to you because I'm nice like that. Um, so I kept walking and then he rolled down the passenger's side window and said, excuse me, very loudly. And I turned around and he said, hello, my name is, Ch and as soon as I saw, you know, his face without the glasses on, I immediately recognized that this was Quentin Tarantino. And I think all the muscles in my body stopped working <laughs> and my arms were just very lax. And I looked at him and I said, I know who you are. And then I started going on and on about how very much I loved his movies because, you know, this is a man who's worked with Robert De Niro, uh, like he's worked with everybody. And these are all people that I deeply respect and people that I want to work with and people who have inspired me to, to do this as a career. So the fact that he was pulling me over at all was interesting, but I didn't think that he was pulling me over for any meaningful reason. So <clears throat> how can you meet Quentin Tarantino? 
in 2021, you could walk down the street with very little makeup on and last night's hair if you happen to be one in 7.7 billion people. But the odds of it happening are very slim. So I, I regret to inform all of you that the odds of this happening to you are very, very slim and probably not going to happen. Sorry, not trying to kill dreams. Um, so um, why he pulled me over, I don't think I'll ever really know. Um, he pulled me over and he asked, he asked me to get in the car because I, I was talking so much about how much I loved his movies. We were holding up traffic. So I got in the car. And um, we started talking, and he started telling me about this film that he was um, working on that he thought I would be perfect for, which is hilarious, because at this point, he didn't even know if I could act. I could have been lying, but I'm not. I'm a great actress. I'm so talented that I should have won, like, 17 Oscars for my performance in life. <laughs> so he talks to me about this movie. And then he tells me that the movie is still in the developmental phase. And for Quentin Tarantino, the developmental phase means it's in his brain. He doesn't use computers. He writes his films by hand and occasionally uses a typewriter. So I was a little bit confused. Like, you know, uh, we're in the 2020s here. Like, what are you doing? But it works for him. He's arguably the greatest uh, director of his time. So it's working for him. And he says, can I get your phone number, please? And I said, sure. So he pulls up a piece of paper out of a big stack of papers in the back seat of his car and a pen. And he writes down my name and my phone number. And then I said to him, are you going to call me like an idiot? And he's like, yes, I'm going to call you as soon as I have this, um, this movie, you know, done and ready to be made. So I turn around and I say to him, I am taking time off from working because I'm too ugly and fat at this time. And Quentin Tarantino, who casts gorgeous women, like, I mean, Uma Thurman, hello, um, proceeds to spend at least 15 minutes telling me how beautiful I am and reassuring me that what I am and who I am and the way I am is enough for this industry. And that is the kind of reassurance that you will never get from a from a small you know, boutique agent or the casting director for a commercial. You can't, you won't get this from people like that. They're more about tearing you down. And I've had my share of that. But I also had um, the opportunity to be built up by one of the greatest people to ever make movies. And then I went on and on about my weight, which, you know, again, he was like, I don't, I don't think your weight's an issue. You know, I think you're beautiful the way you are. And I think that if you'd like to lose weight, that's something that you should do for yourself, but please don't do it for the sake of this industry. And it was just the coolest thing in the world because there are a lot of stories out there about Quentin Tarantino being creepy and having a foot fetish and all these things. If he has a foot fetish, I mean, that's his problem. That's his business. It's not my business. It has absolutely nothing to do with the work. And he was not creepy in the slightest. He was just a very kind man who saw something in me that I have yet to see in myself. So we're in the car, we're talking, and of course I have to make a fool out of myself because I know that if I don't get a picture, nobody's ever going to believe that this happened. This doesn't happen in these in this day and age. It used to happen, like, you know, back in the days when uh, when James Dean sat outside of Aaliyah Kazan's office waiting all day just to take him for a motorcycle ride. It worked back then. It doesn't work now. So... 
I, I say to him, can I get a picture? Because no one's ever going to believe that this happened to me. And Quentin's like, yeah, totally, absolutely. And he puts his arm around me and we take this picture. And I'm not smiling in the picture because I'm still like a bundle of nerves. And I still can't believe that he's, he's pulled me over. Like he's just, he's just that cool. And um, so we spent a little bit more time just talking about movies, what kind of movies I liked besides his movies. And turns out we liked a lot of the same stuff. Now Tarantino notices the time and notices that he's late for a meeting. So um, he he drops me off um, on this corner. That sounds really bad, but he drops me off on the corner from where the Burger King is. And as I'm walking away, he honks the horn and rolls down the window and says, you're beautiful, okay? And I was like, mm-hmm, okay, whatever. And I just really wanted him to get away because I wanted to call someone and tell them that I had just, you know, Quentin Tarantino had just stopped me on the street unprovoked and wanted to talk to me like a nobody. I'm just a kid from somewhere. But here's the thing. So is Quentin Tarantino. It's just that now he's a kid from somewhere who made it exactly where he wanted to go. So I call my mom and I said, Mom, I just, you know, I got pulled over by Quentin Tarantino. And my mom says to me, who's that? <laughs> so trying to explain to her um, who that is, is probably, I think I would have an easier time nailing Jello to a tree because she doesn't know his films. She doesn't know his work. Just didn't really, she just didn't really hit her the way that it hit me. But I was very, very excited, and I went on with the rest of my day with, like, an extra pep in my step. So I get, I go back to my friend's place, and I'm like, I just got in a car with Quentin Tarantino. And she's like, okay, yeah, right. So I show her the picture. And instead of, you know, congratulating me and saying, you know, that's really great, that, like, Quentin Tarantino, like, holy shit, he's interested in you, she decides to um, give me a lecture about not, not getting into cars with strangers, I don't think Quentin Tarantino's a stranger because in some form or another, he's been in all of our homes at least once and in mine several because I've seen so many of his, of his films. Um, I will never in a million years understand why Quentin Tino, Quentin Tino, geez, it's a really long name guys. And um, to be fair, I've been sick for the whole week. So yeah, <laughs> Quentin Tarantino pulled me over I think the why will never really set in, but I think that the reason was to remind me that it, like, you know, I needed to get my ass back to Hollywood and stay there with those people that, that understood me that I could fit in with and who weren't going to try to put me in a box where I needed to look a certain way and be a certain way and behave a certain way. And, um, I was just really excited that he saw enough in me to, um, to pull me over. And it was, it was a, great experience. Um, I wish that the story was more exciting than it is to share with you because it's one of those things that you just really had to be there to kind of understand how exciting it really was. It was just a really beautiful moment between two creative people, one who had become immensely successful and one who had hoped that she might one day um, catch the attention of somebody like that. And in this moment, the worlds collided. And I think for the first time, I um, realized that unlike Terry Malloy, it's not, I could have been a contender. It's, I am 
a contender because only a contender could compel somebody like Quentin Tarantino to pull them over on the side of the street just to have a conversation. And, you know, the worst part is, is I almost told him to fuck right off because I thought he was just some douchebag in sunglasses who thought he was better than everybody else. The thing that I can say about Quentin Tarantino is I don't think he thinks he's better than anybody else. He has such a beautiful um, personality and so much kindness to offer. And I think he really, really wants to launch careers for people that he knows are um, genuinely in love with this craft because he knows what it's like to um, to be me. You know, he's my all-time favorite Elvis Presley on Roseanne. I bet you didn't even know he played Elvis Presley in Roseanne because there was like a hundred Elvis Presleys in one room, but he did. He wanted to be an actor, and when they told him that he was too unattractive to be an actor, he said, well, fuck you, and uh, became a director and became one of the best directors uh, in the world. Um, Quentin famously says that when people ask him, what film school did you, did you train at? He says, I went to films. And I think it's much the same for me, though I do have some training. Um, I think I learned most of what, what I know about the craft and what I love about the craft and why I want to do it is from watching movies. Tarantino movies, Martin Scorsese movies. Uh, you know, if Martin Scorsese wants to, you know, stop me on the street next time I'm in L.A., I don't mind. I'm, I'm fine with that because <laughs> I love Martin Scorsese. But... um. Yeah, so I'm just looking forward to Tarantino kind of wrapping up that script that he's writing by hand and giving me a call to uh, let me know that he wants to get to work because I'm ready to work. I've been ready. I was born ready. Um, I don't know when he's going to be done writing it because personally, when I write letters by hand, it hurts. And I'm only writing like four pages. Scripts are like 200 pages. And they have to be written and rewritten and rewritten. And I, I, I actually think it's amazing that he still writes them by hand. And not only that, he, he only shoots on film. I don't know if you knew that. He only shoots on film. He does not believe in digital film. It's, it's an interesting dichotomy. I don't know. But I, I think that he knows what he's doing. And I think that um, the day he retires will be a sad day for, for the film community. And he has teased that um, Once, Upon, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood might have been his last film. It won't be. Um, he'll probably do one or two more, and then that will be it. Um, but yeah, I got to sit in Quentin Tarantino's car, and for like a good half an hour, I got to feel like I was one of the biggest stars in the whole world. He treated me like one. He didn't make me feel like I was less than him. And it's, it's hard, it's hard to put it into words. If you're ever in LA and you happen to see a yellow car driving by with tinted windows and a guy with sunglasses in it, you could try doing what my friend Dennis once did when he was trying to catch the bus and jump in front of the car and start swinging your arms everywhere and, and, um, your jacket. And if you're lucky, it might be Tarantino and he might think that you're, you're strangely interesting, or it might be somebody who thinks you're a total idiot and run you over. I don't know. But you can take your chances. How I met Tarantino was basically either dumb luck or fate. And I am going to go with fate because I wasn't going to go out that day. I didn't look good that day. Didn't feel good that day. 
But something in me said, you should go for a walk and you should go up this street and you should go over the sunset because if you go over to sunset, something good's going to happen. And something did. I got to meet Tarantino that day. And I feel like this story probably sounds so boring because it, it's so hard to put it into words. It's something that you, you, had to, you have to live it. And even though I live it, I lived it, it still sort of feels like an out-of-body experience, which is why I asked for the picture, because I knew nobody was ever going to believe me. And people still don't when I tell them that this happened. They don't believe me. So I constantly have to pull my phone out and be like, here's the picture. Because, you know, we live in a world of Pixar didn't happen. But uh, I've had a lot of experience that happened that I don't have pictures of. But that one I made sure to, um, to document. And I am looking forward to the day that Tarantino, you know, gives me a call and says I'm ready to go because I'm ready to go right now. Like, let's go to work. Let's go right now. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just a tremendously wonderful experience. If you guys have any questions about that experience, tweet them to me at a blonde who talks, A-B-L-O-N-D-E-W-H-O-T-A-L-K-S. And I'll be super happy to answer them for you because I feel like there are a lot of things that you may want to know that I didn't touch on. Because for me, it was just such an exciting experience and it's an exciting story to to tell but at the same time, I feel like there's a lot of things that I'm leaving out because I don't know that you want to hear about them. I don't know that they matter to you. They may matter a great deal to me. They may not matter a great deal to you. But um, if you do get the opportunity to get into Quentin Tarantino's car and you have a friend who tells you that you shouldn't get in a car with strangers, you should dump that friend because that's bad advice. That's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad advice. And if your mom doesn't watch movies, you probably shouldn't call her and tell her that um, you just got pulled over on the street by Quentin Tarantino because she won't know who that is. Uh, but I'm pretty sure she did Google him after we got off the phone. So <laughs> she might have figured, um, she might have learned a little bit from that. So yeah, um, that was my experience. It was lovely. He was not at all creepy. I can't stress this enough because so many people say it. Um, I wish that the whole world could hear my story about having met Quentin Tarantino. Maybe if you guys share this, it can go viral. And then Quentin Tarantino will know that somewhere, one out of 7.7 billion people is talking favorably about him, despite what the media um, may may have said or may have tried to teach me about him, and et cetera, et cetera. If I've learned one thing, of great importance from Quentin Tarantino, it's this, in his words. If you just truly love cinema with enough passion, and you really love it, then you can't help but make a good movie. So with that said, I should probably um, turn on my screenwriting software and start writing my movie because I love cinema so much that how could I not make a great film? I have been in love with cinema since I was probably not old enough to understand what I was watching. And I think that's the case for a lot of us. Um, again, the, the, the experience with Tarantino was just something so magical and something that I really, really, I've, I've done my best to explain it to you because it's so hard to explain it. It's so hard to tell it. I have a big smile on my face while I talk about it. I have sore cheeks. You can't see that, but it's all happening. So, yeah, if you have questions about it, please tweet me. Like I said, a blonde who talks, A-B-L-O-N-D-E-W-H-O-T. 
T-A-L-K-S, and I will answer those questions. I will be so happy to answer any and every question that you might have about what it's like to meet Quentin Tarantino, what it's like to sit in his car. Don't ask me what kind of car he has. I have no idea, as I said. It's a yellow car. I also have a yellow car, except mine's a Volkswagen Beetle, and it's pretty hard to um, <laughs> to miss it, to not know what, what kind of car that is. But his car was uh, probably 25,000 times more expensive than mine. But for a man who had so much money, who has so much money and so much fame, he has compassion and more humility than I think people that I've met who have so much less. So I do know for a fact that some of the people I went to high school with who used to laugh at my crazy dreams of, you know, going to Hollywood and getting discovered or going to Hollywood and, and really making it as an actress, they thought it was funny and they still think it's funny. And I know they're listening to this. So I want to say hi, guys, and a big fuck you because <laughs> this kind of thing will never happen to you. Speaking of fuck you, um, when Quentin Tarantino had his um, footprints done at the man's Chinese theater, I think it was two years ago, you're not allowed to put profanity. So he outsmarted them and got fuck off written on the bottom of his shoes. So when they did the footprints, it just says fuck off. And then he signed his name, you know, Quentin Tarantino. Fuck off, Quentin Tarantino. I guess that's a term of endearment for him. Or perhaps he is indeed telling all of those very nasty people who um, like to tell you what you can and can't do with your life to fuck off. Because I think if any anyone has proven that there's no there's no ceiling, like you can't hit the ceiling with dreams this big. The sky is is the limit. It's it's just a special thing. Now, if I sound a little bit weird at this point, I should probably also note that I'm on medication because I'm not feeling well, so I might be slightly high. Not high on like drugs, like on pharmaceuticals, <laughs> because I'm sick. <laughs> And now you guys probably all think that I am the weirdest person in the world. And you know what? That's, that's that might 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 be true. That might be true about me. I might I might be uh, the um, the weirdest um, person in the world. And um, I, I'm okay with that. I'm you know I'm a clown. Actually, I did an. Uh, you call those things career aptitude test and my career aptitude test said that I should either go to clown college or become a mortician which are two totally different things and I plan on pursuing absolutely neither of them why am I going off topic it's the pharmaceuticals it's the drugs I'm sick but even though I'm sick I'm putting out a podcast for you guys because I love you so again if you have questions um I'm going to see if Simon can actually leave my Twitter handle in the bottom part of in the description so that you guys can just get it from there. Send me your questions and I will answer them on a future um, episode. I have, you know, I, I have the answers, but I just don't know what, what all you want to know. So ask me. I like being asked questions because people ask me questions. It makes me feel like I'm on entertainment tonight and then I feel like I'm really famous and I, and I like to feel like I'm really famous because... Who doesn't feel like, who doesn't like to feel like they're very famous? Um, am I right? Like everybody, everybody wants to, to, um, to, to feel that way, right? Or, or no, no, is it just me? Okay, maybe it's just me. 
No, I doubt it's it's not just me. It's not just me, right? <laughs> so yeah, this has been episode seven of This Blonde Can Talk About Anything. Uh, this Blonde Can Talk About Quentin Tarantino. I've had fun talking about it, but I would love to elaborate if you guys would send me your questions. So do that. Um, next week, I'm going to be talking about my... Well, let me be honest. It's my mom's friend who, who who stuck his penis in the pool at the YMCA. We're going to talk about that next week. That's funny. That one I can talk about for 30 minutes because it's like... Uh, it's not normal, right? <laughs> I mean, it's probably not normal to get into a car with Quentin Tarantino either. But I'm sure you can appreciate the um, the value in that and the experience in itself. Also, I haven't mentioned this episode that I miss football. I really miss it. I'm dying to hear these words. Why is football only 16 weeks long and every other sport like 16 months long? There aren't even 16 months in a year. I don't know. Anyways, I'm Melanie with two L's. You can find me on Twitter. Once again, a blonde who talks. Pretty easy to find. A-B-L-O-N-D-E-W-H-O-T-A-L-K-S. That sounded like a song. That's all I got for you. But I do want you to send me questions because I do want to re- I do want to revisit this topic. It was such an amazing experience. I love Quentin Tarantino. I want the whole world to know how much I love Quentin Tarantino. If I could climb on my roof and scream about it, I would. But that probably isn't safe. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to not do that. And I'm going to go back to bed because I'm sick as a dog. And then I'm going to wake up in a couple of hours so I can watch wrestling because um, it's very, very, <laughs> it's very, very important to um, to watch wrestling, especially on Friday nights because, you know, Carmella. Okay. Anyway, I've gone off topic. I'm, yeah, I'm high on pharmaceuticals. I love you all for tuning in. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I have so much more to say about Quentin Tarantino. Please send me your questions so that I can answer them because if you ask me the questions and I answer them for you, then you won't have any more questions. Did, did that even make sense? <laughs>